Welcome to Marin Costello Radio, where we have intentional conversations with impactful people, your weekly dose of motivation, inspiration, and entrepreneurship. Join me as we explore the ins and outs of building and running a business, interview leaders across all industries, and find the common denominator beneath it all. This is Marin Costello Radio. Hello, everybody, and welcome to our first episode of Marin Costello Radio for 2023. And it would be so fitting that we would have the one and only entrepreneurial business coach and incredible entrepreneur, Dina Patton, on the show today. Since 2001, Dina has coached thousands of world-changing entrepreneurs and CEOs to build their businesses to new levels of impact and income. She specializes in helping business owners build their systems, elevate their marketing and sales, and lead with confidence. She's a biz- she's a best-selling author of The Greatness Game and a global speaker. And she's here today because she is passionate about helping people build great business. Dina, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited about this conversation. Oh my gosh, so excited. So you are an incredibly seasoned entrepreneur. Your resume is is beyond and you've lived so many different lives but we like to start the show off by asking a very simple question what was little dina like oh my goodness what a fun question (laughs) (laughs) you know i was a creative when i was young i wanted to um dance and i wanted to create i was really in my essence, a creative. So I always had a camera in my hand. I loved photography. I loved dance and creating things. And um, I was the creative of of the family. That would make sense because of your love of dance, how you, you know, leaned into that as a profession for a while, how you studied film in college, and then ended up building all of these companies. Um, Walk us through your first experience with entrepreneurship? Yeah, it was, you know, I think everybody listening, if you own a business, you've been on a journey, whether that's one year or 30 years. Um, And I, uh, you know, I just had this burning desire uh, to do big things. I always was a big thinker. And I think I was surrounded with small, safe people. You know, I was like, get a job, get a paycheck, be safe, be safe. And I think a lot of people are surrounded with that safety narrative. Um, And you either take it and you take that route or you say, no, I'm risking. And at 21, I risked it. I, I sold everything in my apartment in Phoenix. And I said, I'm moving to New York City and uh, moved to New York City on a dream and a little bit of money. And about 23, started my own business. Um, I really realized that owning your own business is about mindset. It is about saying yes to yourself and your greatness and that big dream. And then you got to figure it out. You know, you can't live in that space for very long because you really have to figure out the systems and the revenue and you got to sell and um, all of that. So it was the first, uh, that first year I started a PR and marketing agency. I specialized in the Broadway film entertainment industry because that's what I knew. I was on the other side for a few years and I thought, I know this space. Um, they really struggle in marketing and PR and um, I'm going to start that. 
And so a year into that, I created the only magazine in New York City that was in that niche. And I got really clear that distribution was the key. And so I got into hotels, I got into anywhere that they would put my magazine. And um, it was a really awesome ride because I won my first award. I had three employees. It was the era of sex in the city. Like life was fabulous. <laughs> it was really fun. And it was that learning curve. You know, you're, you're trying to learn that creative in me handled the creative side, but it's the business side. It's really understanding sales, really understanding distribution, really understanding your customers, what they need, what, what solutions you, you are offering. And um, so, you know, we were thriving until we weren't. And uh, it was the 17 hour days and the entrepreneur hustle that ended up in a minor stroke uh, <laughs> at 27. And uh, that was a whole, you know, different story. But it it learned what I learned was self care. CEO self care is having a self care plan is just as important as having a marketing plan. And once I got that, my life changed um, because I really, you know, I think a lot of entrepreneurs we give everything to our business and we think, oh, I'm just going to hustle one more night, one more week, and then that turns into year two and year three, and then those habits are built you know that's how you run that's how you lead um and it it will turn into imploding either divorce disease death um and i've seen it not only my own story but hundreds and hundreds of people since so that was a, a an incredible time um and but lots of lessons lots of lessons so you essentially learned about self-care and kind of fighting the narrative of hustle culture way before that narrative was popular. So how difficult was it to get people to buy into that idea of putting yourself first? Mm -hmm. So once I recovered, I had to learn how to speak again. I had a year of recovery. You know, I had my own journey of back, you know, that's where I hired my first coach. I had to learn margins and boundaries and self-care and all these things and really come out of the shame of what I did to myself. You know, I, I felt a lot of guilt, you know, but here's the thing. We don't know until we know, you know, we don't know what we don't know. And if you don't know, if you don't have mentors around you or other entrepreneurs that are like, hey, you're working 60, 70, 80, 100 hours a week, you need margins. If someone's not giving you that love, you know, it's, I call it no sugar, sugar, <laughs> um, you know, and you're just in the hustle with all your other entrepreneur friends, somebody's going to implode and they're going to be the example. And then everybody else goes, Oh, wow. Right. So 20 years ago, it wasn't popular. It was in an, I was in New York city. So everybody had two or three businesses. Everybody hustled. It was the first year of the internet. <laughs> I'm aging myself. Right. Mm -hmm. So it, it was a hustle time. I mean, it was a whole new era of scaling, um, building multi, multi-million dollar businesses in a few months. Like that's where it all began. And I was in the middle of it. So that hustle culture was really everywhere. And so for me to have my own lessons, I think a lot of my friends took note. 
But as a coach, you know, as I started to train as a coach and I started to open my own business and started coaching people, here's the thing. And this is the same rule that I have today. I will not coach someone. I will not build and scale their business unless they have a CEO self-care plan, which I help them. I help them build if they don't have one. Every once in a while, I'm really surprised. And I have someone come in and say, oh, no, I have one. I'm dedicated to my self-care but that's rare. That's 10%. The other 90%, they're killing themselves for their business. So it takes a little convincing, but here's the thing within a month or two, they're like, Oh my gosh, I should have done this years ago. I'm making so much more money. That's the thing. They don't understand when you have a little space in your life for joy and creativity and margins and self-care, what happens is brilliant ideas happen. And beautiful conversations happen that wouldn't happen because you're so busy, right? So you actually make a lot more money and you have a lot more joy. Um, so there's so many benefits to it that people buy in. So what does a CEO self-care plan look like? If you could just kind of give a little bit of a roadmap. Yeah. Well, first of all, anytime I'm speaking, I always give away my template because a lot of people don't. You know, sometimes you just need someone to see, see it in front of you. So amazinggreatness.com is you can go there and download this template. It's I, I keep things really simple. I keep things really simple. And I like one sheets, uh, the, you know, everything in one glance. And it's your daily, weekly and monthly self-care plan, things that you are committing to. And here's here's the important part. They have to be refueling you. So that's different than relaxing, right? We want to relax mm -hmm. you. But refueling, there's a very big difference between the things that refuel me versus the things that relax me, right? One's an, an energy giver, right? Things that, that fuel me, fuel my creativity, fuel my leadership, fuel my greatness. Like I feel inspired. I feel refueled versus relax. Like I feel rested. Right. So we have to know the difference between those two. And then, and because both of them are valuable, we want both in our plan. And so when you fill out your template, you get clear, what are the things that are going to refuel me? And what are the things that are going to relax me on a daily, weekly, monthly basis? Everyone's different. My, my plan is going to look different than yours. Right. So because we're, we all have different personalities and different needs. So what refuels me might turn someone else off. Right. So but I know now, you know, at, at, at my age, like I'm very clear in the things I need on a daily basis. I need prayer and meditation every single morning, 30 minutes. I need I lift heavy weights. I'm in the gym three days a week lifting heavy weights. I know that refuels me in my mind. Vitamins, you know, I'm on a, on a really, I wouldn't say strict, but just a, a clear, you know, what vitamins, again, help my mind, body, and spirit operate at the leadership that I need to lead my team and my vision. And it takes a lot of effort and a lot of fuel to lead a business. You're the fuel, but yet right. we don't treat ourselves like the fuel. We're the fuel behind the vision and behind the leadership, behind the brilliant million dollar ideas is us, but yet we're drained. That's so amazing. Refueling versus relaxing is such a fascinating com 
concept because I do feel that the narrative currently around self-care is more relaxing than refueling. Uh-huh. There's definitely um, a distinction that I feel like is not being made in the general space of of self-care. Yeah, it is. It, 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 the distinction is really powerful because I think people focus on, you know, I'm a really big advocate of sleep. I want at least seven hours, if not nine hours on your self-care plan. But relaxation, things like a massage, things like sleep, like those kind of things that just really help us power down, right? Very important in our self-care, but that's very different than the things that refuel us and push us to that, to that greatness and that inspiration. Again, those brilliant ideas as entrepreneurs, leaders, business owners, our business really relies on our brilliance and our greatness and our creativity. Well, how's all that thing? How are all those getting fueled? Right. My, uh, I'll give you one example. My client who she owns a home building business and she has 85 employees and a lot of pressure on her. She's only 42 years old, but she has little ones at home. You know, you have 85 employees, you have two little ones and a whole bunch of high-end clients that are, you know, counting on you. Um, when I first met her, when I first started coaching her, she had absolutely no self care. I mean, self care was like this word she didn't, she had no definition for. It didn't even exist for her, right? And today, she has an incredible self care plan that she is proud of and that fuels brilliant ideas. And when I say millions of dollars, like, <laughs> you know, what a three day awesome vacation that refueled her. She comes back with these like $10 million ideas, right? So, um, so, you know, her daily and her weekly look very, very different than they did a year ago. They didn't exist. So, um, so her environment, I want you to look at your environment, look at the things that pull on you as not only a CEO, as a business owner, but as a human, you know, a lot of our generation, they're taking care of their aging parents, that's another pull, you know, and if you have that and or kids and or a marriage and business, it's a lot and um, you need it even more. But those are the ones that are like, I don't have time for that. <laughs> I don't have time totally. for that. <laughs> totally. We can't, we can't live in that. We cannot, that cannot be your truth. You've got to come out of agreement with you don't have time for that and start believing something new called I'm going to make time for that. Start with 15 minutes, right? Start with 15 minutes. Especially in today's day and age of like constant overload, constant, like we we have access and, and ingest so much more information than I think that the body is used to or built for truly on a day-to-day basis. So that's such an amazing concept. You mentioned your team. What does your team look like? So my team looks like all over the country. Um, remote. And, you know, when I left New York, um, I I ended up selling my business. Um, I was very uh, uh, blessed to sell my business um, and see that internet world explode and be a part of that. And um, in 2001, moved back after 9-11, moved back home to, uh, to Phoenix And ever since that, you know, it shifted for me that I wanted remote 
contractors, employees, a mixture between employees and contractors. And I also own a nonprofit. So I own two businesses, very, very different. Um, my nonprofit has a big board and it has staff and it has um, uh, clients and that, right? It looks very different than my coaching and training business. So team is really important, but I believe in small teams. Um, I think there's this, uh, an over hiring um, uh, movement where just because you have money to hire, don't just hire to hire, hire brilliant people who are going to do brilliant things for your business that are very specific. And I believe in a hiring system that um, th that really is aligned with your vision and your values and who you are as a culture and as a company. I, th I just think we've gotten away from culture and especially remote because you're like, well, there's no culture. You know, there's not 10 people sitting around in the break room. And um, I mean, I work with teams all over the country that there's 100 people, but none of them are in a business uh, together. They're remote. And so what is happening is you're losing culture. You're losing that sense of belonging in that team. So although some blessings came out of COVID, like remote working, um, a lot of teams went remote. But I'll tell you the negative is the loss of culture. If you don't have a strong leader who knows their values and their purpose and their vision, and they keep that leadership alive in their team, what's happening are these teams are feeling very isolated and in a silo. And um, I think it's really important to have staff meetings and still fun. You know, you, you, you lose a lot when you're remote. So I believe in um, that connection. Right. Connection is key in teams today and connection, um, culture and play. You know, although you don't work together, maybe once or twice a year, you're getting all together. Right. For a retreat or, uh, you know, a work week or whatnot. So there's all kinds of fun opportunities for leaders to think out of the box with the remote teams, because I think when it comes to teams. It's we're in a weird just a weird place of remote, of people wanting things that we can't provide or over hiring. And we gotta come back to center, come back to your vision, come back to your values, come back to your purpose of your business and reevaluate what team, maybe you have the, a great team, but they're in the wrong seats on the bus, right? That's a really, you know, now it's a new year. You're looking at the vision are the people you have correct and are they in the right seats? So that's what I would say about team is I, I love my team. I love my remote team. I don't think I'll ever, I will never be in an, an office space with team again um, because this is working, you know, as long as it's working, it's working. That's amazing. You focus with your clients on three major pillars, mindset, leadership, marketing, and sales and systems. You've been at this for decades. And so I can imagine that now the way that you approach a client, the way that you can kind of vet if a client is for you or not is very seasoned. Like that's a very strengthened muscle. My question to you is more so, how did you find that niche? How did you find this clarity of this is what your special specialization is for this type of client? 
And this is actually the client that I go for. And these are my boundaries around that. Such a good question, because I actually hear two things is how did I find my niche, but also how do you find your target market? And, you know, niches now, you know, I don't think 20 years ago, uh, the word niche or, or your lane, it was as popular as it is now. Um, because I own my PR marketing firm, obviously that was already a niche. It, that marketing space, um, branding, marketing sales has been my sweet spot for a really long time. Um, but what I actually understood is why I was able to build my business and sell my business. It's such a young business is because of the systems. Mm. People buy systems. You know, I didn't have a massive amount of revenue. It was only a few years old, um, but I had systems and systems are a humongous asset, not only when you're selling, right? But I would say anybody who has a young business, focus on building your systems. It will help you because business is a heavy lift without systems. You're doing everything manual. You're doing everything over and over again. So you're wasting a lot of time, which is a huge asset. So, you know, I knew, so I knew marketing sales, uh, that branding space. And then I also knew systems was a niche of mine. So I, that's really when I started coaching and consulting, those were my two really, my brilliance. And that's where I started. And then as I started coaching more and more people, more and more experience, uh, year five, six, seven, what I got fascinated with was the psychology of entrepreneurship and leadership. And why does one person succeed and the other fail? I got really interested in the research of that and really started to study greatness and success and mindset. And I got obsessed with it for about 10 years. And I really started to understand that success leaves clues. You know, there's a reason why successful people, you know, they write a book. They're like, this is how I did it, right? Because it wasn't by accident. There's steps, there's systems, there's ways. So people who are just winging it and living in Vagueville of just like, I'm working harder, I'm working harder. Working harder is going to put you in the grave. I really saw the system of success and started to study really successful entrepreneurs and CEOs. So my book is uh, The Greatness Game. And that really, I started speaking on it. I started writing on it. I started to really understand at the end of the day, if you don't have a mindset of success, you're just really building a job for yourself or you're even building a hobby. You're just being busy, right? Um, so that became my third pillar 10 years ago is this greatness mindset. And I could really teach and train someone to shift and transform their mindset. And once I came up with that methodology and I write about it in my book and I speak on it, I train on it, um, it really became a, a calling card. Like that's how people started to know me is mindset expert. Um, and I really started shifting people from a smallness mindset to a greatness mindset. And so, you know, in, in short, 
it, you know, those three built on each other over 10 years. And those are the three that A, I love, B, I'm really good at. You know, I think we make our most impact and our income when we're brilliant. When you stay, when you really own, like I'm brilliant at this thing, at this product or the service, and you can really own it, um, stay in that space and be the best, you know? So that's, you know, once I found those three, I just really started to own that as my niche, as my brilliant lane. I started speaking on stages across the country. Um, and then, you know, when you have a book that really helps um, build that expertise and it became my thing, right? But let me shift over to target market is here's the bottom line. People buy solutions. People buy solutions. Everything that you and I buy, we're buying it because it solves something, right? It's It might be solving something in our kitchen or for our car. But when you as a business owner understand what you solve and you can put that into your marketing narrative, it changes the whole game. And here's the, here's the piece in there that a lot of people don't understand is we have three possible target markets. We have champagne clients, wine clients, and beer clients. And which none of them are better. You can you can have a multi, multi-million dollar business on beer clients. But beer clients here, beer clients are price valued. So they are looking for price, right? So they're looking for the cheapest. And if you listen to ads on your radio or your TV, they're going to say, you know, we're the most affordable, the most affordable plumber in town. That is going after the beer clients, right? They're making millions of dollars going after those beer clients being the affordable plumber, right? So what I'm saying, I don't want anybody to think, oh, everybody has to go after champagne clients. No, you have to go after the people you solve problems for and you want to serve. So for me, it I got clear in the people who are really in a mindset like I want to be a great leader, building a great company that changes that world, changes the world. That is a champagne way of thinking. Beer entrepreneurs who are just hustling for the next dollar, who just want to sell the next knickknack, they're not, they don't think like that. There's nothing wrong with them. They're just not my client. My clients like world changing, move out of the way. I'm up to something here, right? Like I want to change this space or I want to revolutionize this, you know, that's my client. And so when I realized I have a passion for that type of person and helping them win, um, that's my champagne client, purpose-driven, world-changing, that mindset of greatness that wants more greatness. And I thought, okay, how do I get in front of them? How do I speak to them? How is my my marketing and my website and everything about my brand serving them and attracting them? And so those what what I'm saying is two things are coming together. My passion and my brilliance, your passion, your brilliance, and your target market and what they want from you. When you can understand those two things, you're going to be highly highly successful. But most people get have one and not the other, and they struggle. 
right? They're in their brilliant lane, but they don't know how to attract their, they don't really understand who their target market is and how to attract and convert them. Or they're clear in their target market, but they're not really clear on what they, how they serve, how they solve, what their business is. So those are the two. Um, and it's not overnight that you understand those two. It's a process. Um, but understanding your brand, understanding you, what you serve, what you solve, um, and your brilliance, what you do really well, combine with which of these target markets is your target market, right? And, and how do you attract and convert them? so many nuggets. We're like freaking out behind the scenes over here, like, fr like frantically taking notes like crazy. I mean, there's just, you're such a wealth of knowledge. It's amazing to have you on the show. You mentioned earlier that you are a big thinker and that there are goals involved. Um, and I'm, and of course, you know, that has so much to do with clarity in our world of immediate gratification that can change on a dime. If 2020 has taught us anything, how far in advance do you personally set goals and that how far in advance do you advise your clients to set goals? Yeah. Well, I love goals and my husband and daughter would every year in the new year, we sit down and we write a couple goals out. Um, I think it's important as human beings to have goals. Um, and it's going to come back to mindset is when our mind has nothing to focus on, it gets lost. It gets lost in what I call Vagueville. And then you're at the end of the year, you're like, why didn't I accomplish that? Well, there was no focus, right? Focus and clarity moves the train. Confusion derails the train. So when your brain, your mind is confused or vague, you're derailed, right? So it's whether it's personal or it's business, if you have a personal goal of getting out of debt or losing some weight or buying your second home, whatever it is, that's going to take focus, right? What, what break that down into like five milestones, because then your brain starts to focus on those and you start making progress. But um, without focus and clarity, the, our minds, our psychology just, it, it just goes back to default to, of survival, just the day-to-day, -day, right? So so one, on a personal level, New Year or it's your birthday or whatever, it might be Tuesday, right? And you're like, you know what? I'm going to set goals. Is don't, don't overwhelm yourself. Hit two or three goals, maybe one health goal, one money goal, one relationship goal. That's a great way to start. And that's a way that your mindset and your, your clarity can start to move the train. In business, how I lead my clients is we do, it, it, this is a bigger conversation around calendar and schedule, is I think where a lot of entrepreneurs get sidetracked, derailed, is managing time. Because we can have every intention of like, oh, I have this new project and we're launching this, we're doing that, right? And then fires happen. Your lead person quits, right? Or, oh gosh, we ran out of money or whatever it is. And so it's important to understand as a business owner, your layers of time. 
And what I, the, the exercise, I'll just give you a, a, a mini version. There's four tiers of doing your schedule for the year. First level of, um, of doing your year is I like to get a year calendar out and I get my um, personal calendar out first. So what we're gonna put in in first layer is vacations, time off, three-day weekends, spring break, fall break, uh, kids schedule, is we're putting all the time off, self-care, vacations, family reunions, all of that goes in the calendar first. And why that is, back to my original point, is if you are not having margins and self-care in your business, you'll unquote. And we're not spending time with our family. Our family is important. Our marriages are important. Your spouse needs you. Your kids need you. So we put those in kids schedule and time off and vacations layer one. Layer two is philanthropy, ministry, hobbies, you know, say you're a runner and you're going to do the Boston Marathon every year, that goes in the schedule, right? So our really important um, heart stuff goes in. Then layer three is our business commitments. So it might be your business retreat. You might have events. You might have a conference. You might have, you know, employee training, whatever those events throughout the year. You have courses that you're going to launch, right? So we're going to put those in layer three which is your business, high-level, important events. And then layer four is other people, right, booking you. So it's speeches, it's podcasts, it's um, trips, it's conferences, it's other, right? So when we know the order of the importance of our time, we spend our time wisely, and if you look at successful, it's one of those nuggets of success. Highly successful CEOs manage their time with complete precision. And I think we all have to make all those mistakes first. And then you're like, oh, that's why I never have time off because I don't schedule it. Right? So uh, success is scheduled. And if you want these three things in, in your life, in, you know, in your calendar, you got to put it in your calendar. So I do this whole exercise. We plan out our whole year that way. And so when someone other number four on our importance level comes to us and says, Hey, let's do this project. Hey, come to the conference. Hey, speak. We already have the the three layers of importance already in, and we can say yes with confidence, confidence, or we can say no with confidence. And that's really, really where you start to scale your business because you are managing your time like a greatness CEO. So that is that in, in doing that, you're putting your goals in there. You know, maybe you have two really important goals in your business. They go in time. You know, it's an important, maybe you're having your first retreat with all your employees in the fall and you're launching something in the spring that goes in that that layer three, right? So I highly in, in, encourage everybody, get clear in what you want, schedule it, protect it, protect it. Let me say it again, protect it. Because when we give our time away, we give our power away, we give our business away to everybody else. And then we wonder the, the things that we want aren't getting done because it wasn't scheduled. You didn't protect it. 
So it's a big, much bigger conversation, but that's a gist. I hope everybody got a little, you know, little nuggets and just some, I'm, I'm all about action. We can have a conversation all day long, but it's your action and, and pulling these nuggets and actually getting an action that's going to change your business. Mind blown. Holy cow. Speaking of time and timing and making goals, you sold your company, your first company. I want to go back in time to that moment and ask you, firstly, was selling your company part of your original goals? I know that you and I spoke privately and you mentioned that it happened to come at such an opportune time for your phase of life where you were ready to do that. But I'd also like to speak about the process of acquisition and what that shift looked like for you. So yes, it was a surprise. Um, it, I got a knock on the door. It was right after my stroke and I was getting my life back together. I was rebuilding. I was, I had a coach who was helping me rebuild my life and I wasn't sure what I was going to do. And, uh, it was such a blessing, you know, just God, just giving me a blessing. And, um, I got a knock on the door. They said, there's this thing coming called the internet <laughs> and it's going to put your magazine out of business. We want to change your magazine into a website. And, um, here's the thing that I knew what, there's a lot of things I didn't know, but what I did know is I wanted to be out of that business. I just didn't know how. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to negotiate with them. And I'm going to say, buy the whole business and me and my three employees or no deal. And they said, yes. And so me knowing what I wanted, I knew that I wanted recovery time. I wanted to build something else and I needed time and money to do that. Right. And I thought, here's the opportunity. I'm going to take it. And it was such a blessing. You know, I thought I was going to, they, they um, had me come on as director of marketing and we built that internet site, 70,000 paid subscribers first year of the internet. And I learned so much. I thought I was going to come in and really show them, you know, PR and marketing and, and, and build this brand, which I did, but I was blessed too. And I learned so much about scaling and investors and um, building a business with strategy and with clarity. And it is still the number one in its space today, 20 years later. And it's, it's a testament of how we built it. There was only four of us, you know, building it in the beginning. And I just think that I would have never known that I was going to sell my business and especially to something that went on and, and carried that legacy and did great things. I, I love it. Um, but we have to be open. You know, sometimes we don't have all the answers. You have to be open to blessings that you don't even know are coming. Uh, one. And two, I negotiated what I wanted. You know, again, don't jump when someone asks. You have to really discern, is this right for me? Is this the right direction? Yes, I want it out. But I also, um, you know, in negotiating that contract, there was a couple things that I was very adamant about. And I put in my contract that they had to include. And here's a 27-year-old young entrepreneur 
negotiating with these two much older investors, you know, I didn't, on one hand, I didn't know what I was doing, but I, on the other hand, I knew what I was doing because I knew who I was, what the value of my business, my system. We're just so excited about the offer that we forget about what we really want. Is there something in that offer or this negotiation that we need to hold on to, you know? And it was such a blessing that I had learned a little bit about boundaries at that moment. Cause I was like, wait a minute, <laughs> I'm not selling this. Um, unless it's a really great opportunity for this to live on and, and for, to have these things. So, um, so I have to stand up for my worth and, and negotiate. Um, and then we, you know, as the, as the merging happened and, and we started to build this new company, um, it was no longer my business, you know, they owned it. Um, and I think it, looking back, you know, I think uh, on one hand, I was relieved. And on the other hand, it was the only year since I was 24 that I haven't owned my business. You know, I was within this shell of a business they just bought from me, but I was not the owner anymore. So, you know, in those situations where you were everything, and now you are either a partner of four or you no longer own it, but you're around, you have to know your place. You know, I was the director of marketing. Now I wasn't the owner. And, um, and so it was that culture of building something great. It was the beginning of the internet. I was super excited and being in the space of investors and new business and startup and hustle. I mean, I was still hustling. I just had boundaries <laughs> this time around and we built something really great and i say you know anybody that's that's building something don't build something just to build something build something great because uh, you know it will only last so long if it's just a widget i mean you'll make money and then you're gonna have to buy another widget right um if you want to sell something build a great company and you'll be able to sell it what was it like for you to transition from your last moments of director of marketing with your former company to then being a coach full time? Was there any overlap? What what did that plan look like? Because there's a lot of folks that listen to this podcast who are in transition between lifestyles, between jobs, or flirting with the idea of you know making a big life change. Yes, yes. and it, you know what I. I... I could tell you so many stories about clients who we all had that transition. I started coaching before I was out of that business because, I mean, especially as a single young woman in New York City, I mean, my rent alone was $3,000 for my one bedroom apartment. You know, you have bills. You, you can't just stop a paycheck and then six months later, you know, get revenue from your new business. So absolutely, you know, give yourself some grace and some space to start your new thing on the side and get those clients, get that revenue, get, understand how you sell so that you can, the moment you do quit, you can quickly move into that. You don't want to figure that out right after you quit, figure out the hard stuff before you quit. Um, I had a client who uh, 
hired me. He saw me speak at a conference and he came up to me and he said, I'm consulting right now, but I have this brilliant idea and I need to get it out of my head. And I just can't do it alone. Will you help me pull it out of my head and, and build it out? So long story short, we, he was consulting by day and he would go out for, you know, for lunch and we'd have our coaching call. And I mean, we're building his business on the side, pulling out ideas. We're putting into, you know, we, I helped him create his marketing and sales system. So he really understood how to, to, to attract those clients and get them um, serving and get him into revenue before he quit. And uh, so there was a lot of tactical things and things we were putting in place. And so the day he quit, not only did was he already in revenue, we were ready to pull the handle of full-time marketing and sales. And um, he's the CEO of designpickle.com, which now a lot of people know of. I mean, it's 15, 15 million a month, um, scaled, amazing. He has 500 employees. But five years ago, it was an idea in his head and he was consulting during the day. And there's a lot of people and it's just a natural place to be is you got to have your revenue that funds your new venture. And, you know, for me, I did the same thing. I was training as a coach. I started getting a few coaching clients on the side. Um, and by the time my year up, my year contract was up, I was ready to, you know, go from three to four clients on the side to 15 within a month. So um, it, it it's totally possible with strategy, clarity moves the train, get clear in who you are going to solve, get a few, you know, get that revenue. You have to understand your revenue. And that's what's scary is people who just quit with a dream. I'm all about dreams, dreams and opportunity. I love it. I love it. But you got to understand your revenue path. How am I going to make money on a consistent basis? Um, I just saw someone online yesterday, actually, who said, I have this new business. I had five consultations and I didn't close one. My marketing isn't working. And I said to them, you don't have a marketing problem. You have a consultation problem. To get five people into a consultation, that's whatever you're doing is working. Because, you know, moving people into a consultation takes intentional marketing, right? Mm -hmm. But when you close less than 50% of your consultations, you have a consultation problem. And if you are in the service industry, I'm in the service industry. A lot of people are. If you don't understand how to have a very powerful consultation um, and identify your clients. For me, in the first five minutes, I know if I if they're a client for me or not. So not everybody who comes to you is a client, is a fit. They are not. You have to be willing to say no and refer them out. I refer more out than I accept in. But because of my marketing in the last six, seven years, I attract my ideal client and usually I'm, I close 4.5 out of five. And that's part, there's three parts to that. One, I attract the right person who is a fit for me and I'm a fit for them. So you already have the fit done, right? Two, there's a very clean, simple consultation process. So it's not hard to buy. It's not hard to, 
figure out, right? And three, I have a very clear pricing and packages, like it's not hard to buy, right? So that's what I would say is, is understand your pathway to your revenue and get someone to help you if you don't. Because if you don't understand that, you can't quit. You'll never be able to quit that paycheck because there's not enough revenue in your side gig. What would your advice be to someone who wants to be where you are right now, who wants to work in this line of work? In coaching, consulting, Mm -hmm. training. So it's very popular. 20 years ago, I think people looked at me weird going, what? People pay you to do what? (laughs) And um, now it's so saturated. But I say the more coaches in the world, the better. I think everybody needs a coach. Um, I mean, I have a money coach. I have a, my trainer, my personal trainer, my training coach. I've had nutritional coaches. I've had marriage coaches. Like there's a lot of coaches in every niche you could ever think of. That's going to help you create accountability, strategy, clarity, velocity in that area. So I believe in coaches and, um, the more, the better, but what I do say to coaches who want to be have a thriving coaching um, business. You've got to understand who you are and what your brilliance is. Um, even in the, you know, you say nutrition, there's a hundred different niches, little right ways you could be a nutrition coach. Just, I, I have a friend who um, she is a gluten-free cancer um, coach. So when people get cancer, um, a lot of the doctors will say, cut fat and cut sugar. To most people, they're like, oh my God, how do you do that? Right? So she, that's all she focuses on. And she has a waiting list, right? So that's that, that's just one example. But I would say, know your framework, your methodology, your what you solve. You know, I have my three. That's what I focus on. If someone comes to me and wants something outside of my three, um, I refer them out. But because every time I speak, I always talk about my three pillars. So here's a nugget I want to give to everybody who wants to become a coach. You've got to own your pillars or the things that you coach in and put it everywhere in your narrative. That way, the people who need it are leaning forward and saying, oh, I want to work with her. And the people who don't have any interest are being repelled. And repelling people is a humongous part of marketing. Don't be afraid of repelling people. Because let's reverse it. Let's just say, I coach in everything and everything in business, right? Get a consultation with me. I mean, that it just spreads me so thin and I'm not an expert in anything. Um, And you get people who, I don't know, they just come with random, you know, problems, random, random things that they need. So for me, I, I have my three pillars, systems, branding, marketing, sales, and mindset leadership. Those are my three niches that I am brilliant at, that I will explode in your business. Um, And I, talk about them on podcasts, in my book, speaking, it's all over my website. So I attract people who need that. No one's going to read my website and go, 
to me and say, oh, you know what? I need an exit coach because I'm selling my company and I need you to coach me on the, the sale of my company. I don't do that. Although I've been through a sale, I don't coach people on expert. I have two coaches that all they do is exits, right? But no one's going to come to me because I, I, I don't, I don't put it in my marketing. So put what you're brilliant at all over your narrative and your marketing so that it attracts the people who want it and it repels the people who aren't interested and they don't waste your time. That's amazing. Well, Dina, you are such an incredible wealth of knowledge. You are clearly a master in your space and we are so grateful to have had you on the podcast. Thank you so, so much for being here. Thank you. Such a fun conversation. And I hope people get nuggets of action and uh, implement some, some good stuff in their business. Absolutely. Where can our followers and listeners find you? Absolutely. My website is dinapatton.com and uh, callwithdina.live. Hop on my schedule. Um, let's chat. If you are struggling in those three things or you have big goals in those three pillars that I work in, um, let's just talk about it and see if I'm a fit to serve you. Callwithdina.live. Super easy. Amazing. Thank you so much. Have a beautiful, a beautiful day. And we appreciate you so much. Thank you. My goodness gracious, you guys, that interview was just everything. A huge thank you to Dina for coming on the show. And another big thank you to our hosts at Dash Radio and producers at Island City Media. If you like this episode, as I know we all did, you can listen to it again and again on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Please leave a review so we can continue bringing you the people and conversations that you love just like Dina. Lastly, if you want to connect with me offline, you can find me at Marin Costello Radio on Instagram and MarinCostello.com. Have a beautiful day, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will see you next week with another amazing guest on Marin Costello Radio. children crying, hear the children crying, saying give thanks and praise to the Lord, and I will feel alright, saying let's get together and feel alright, whoa, 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 let them help us all this, dirty remarks, there is one question I'd really love to ask. Who has hurt all mankind? Just a saver's own belief. One love. What about a one One heart. Let's get together and feel alright. As it was in the beginning. One love. So shall it be in the end. Alright. Give thanks and praise to the Lord, and I will This holy I'm a Gideon, Gideon, Gideon. So when the man come 
Believe 